Prayer request. The usual. Yes. America just continues to slide down that slope. The only thing it'll yeah, take is God. Pay for it too. Yeah. As long as if we don't repent, we will pay for it. We're we're studying that in the book of Habakkuk. Any others? Churches, the churches. I prayed this morning a prayer that, Lord, wake people up. Wake Great falling away. Wake people up before it's too late. We are in the we are in the days of sorrow. Yeah. And that's on what was I reading this morning? Uh, Deuteronomy, and it was talking about the days of sorrow. Mm hmm. Matthew 24 tells us there will be wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places, famine, pestilence, but do not be troubled. This is not the end. We're in the birth and pains right now. We're in the days of sorrow. Yeah, that's a sorrow, Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity once again to come into your house to worship, to praise, and to honor your name. Lord, we ask that you'll move and that you'll touch, Lord, that you'll stretch forth your hand as only you can, Lord, that you'll stretch forth your hand on each and every church, each and every pastor, Lord. Lord, that you'll anoint their lips as they endeavor to bring forth your message, Lord, that you'll touch each teacher, Lord, and bless them and give them the message you'd wish them to have, Lord. In Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, starting with verse 11. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing his this his power unto his God. The power had went to Babylon's head. The Babylonian military and citizen began to think that their power and might was their God. Not that their God gave them power, but their power and powerless in war was their God. The old saying that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely mm -hmm. is a very true of the Babylonians. When they first started out, they acknowledged their false God, but as they continued, their ability to win became a snare and a trap to them. They passed through their enemies' camps like a whirlwind and left nothing but chaos and destruction behind them, but eventually chaos and destruction found them. And we know that from history. But where is America at? Do we put our faith in our military? I mean, we've got the world's greatest military. No question about that. Everywhere it says Babylon, put the USA. You could. You very well could. It's getting to the point where we're putting our faith and our trust in our military, into our government, into whomever. And if you put your faith and trust in a man or a woman, you are going to be sorely displeased. Well, mankind, I'm so... <laughs> You're going to be displeased. Verse 12, Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, Thou hast ordained them for judgment, and, O mighty God, Thou hast established them for correction. Habakkuk's telling God, You are everlasting. 
and you will not allow Babylonians to kill all of us. They're going to kill some, sure, but they're not going to destroy, they're not going to totally annihilate. You may allow them to overthrow us for judgment and as for punishment. You will even allow them to be used to correct us, but they will not destroy us. Note the difference in Habakkuk in this verse with the Babylonians' thought process in the previous verse. The Babylonians believed that their faith in their own power, but Habakkuk's faith was in, and is in God. Where is our faith? Which camp do we reside in? I'm not talking about us individually. I'm talking about America as a whole, the world as a whole. Do we put our trust in our government? Do we put our trust in our well, in our military? <laughs> we shouldn't, but I'm saying as a whole, we do. Because we'll see signs on the side of the road, Trump, save America. Biden, save America. DeSantis, save America. They can't do nothing. It's God and God only. And we've got to understand that. We put our trust and our faith in November every four years, and how's that working out for us? It hasn't been in years. It hasn't been in my lifetime. And we've had Democrats and Republicans in the office in my lifetime, and none of them has fixed the problem because they can't fix the problem. Because they won't have anybody that will go in there and say, okay, we need to pray. They are part of the problem. If you're not a part of the solution, you're a part of the problem, and if you're a part of the problem, get out of the way. Our politics is part of the problem because people are putting their faith in that. Democrats are not going to save you. The Republicans are not going to save you. The Constitutional Party is not going to save you. Man is not going to save you. Man is not. Ideology, man's ideology is not. Man's philosophy is not. Because we are looking to the wrong thing. We've got our eyes on the wrong target. We have got to put our eyes and our trust and our faith back in God. And again, not talking about us individually, but talking about us collectively. America as a whole, the world as a whole. Right now in Ukraine, are they trusting their military? I'm sure some of them are. Are they trusting God? I'm sure some of them are. Who's going to win this battle? On man's eyes, in man's eyes, we don't know who's going to win the battle. But God already knew what was going to take place. Well, he already knows the outcome of everything. Yes, he, he does. allowed it to happen for a purpose. All the pieces are being strategically placed exactly. for the coming. It's it's already in motion. There's nothing yes. we can do. It's coming. We can delay him. We can delay his coming by coming back and, and repenting. But we cannot stop him from coming. Eventually, he will come back. I don't want to stop him. Well, we can't. No, we can delay emotion. it, but we cannot ever stop it. We cannot change God's mind. He's coming back. Yeah. We can delay it. We can put it off by repenting and coming back to the Lord, but we'll never stop it because he will and is coming back. Thou art a purer eyes than to behold evil, and cast not look on iniquity. 
Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? God cannot look on evil. But here you're looking favorably on Babylon against Israel. Babylon will devour us, and it appears to Habakkuk that God is blessing Babylon to overthrow Israel. You could speak and change the course of the battle, but you do not. You're silent, and in your silence, Babylon is getting the upper hand. Job 19 and 7 says, Behold, I cry out of wrong, but I am not heard. I cry aloud, but there is no judgment. Habakkuk asked God, why are you using such a treacherous and sinful people? Did I turn too, too many pages? I did. No, no, that's right. That's right. You got me lost. We're on 6 of 15. I'm already lost. On the back side of the page that we were just on. 6 of 15. Habakkuk asked God, why are you using such a treacherous and sinful people to make Judah suffer? God allows things to happen in our life for a reason. It either comes of God or he's allowing it to come. Now, God doesn't give us the illnesses. God doesn't give us the diseases. God does not give us the bad things. But he does allow them to come for a reason. For what purpose? Sometimes I don't know. I know why he allowed the illness to come to me, but I don't know why he allows other things to happen. I can only answer for myself, and only myself. Why did he allow Russia to overthrow or try to overthrow Ukraine and, and wage war? I have no clue. Other than these things must be. There will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes in diverse places. Turkey and Syria, with that massive earthquake, what, about a month ago now, and just recently, within the last two weeks, another massive aftershock, almost as bad as the one, the, the initial earthquake. God allowed it to happen. He could have prevented it, yes, but he allowed it to happen. For what reason? I don't know. Other than end of days. Or days of sorrow. I won't say end of days, but the, definitely the days of sorrow. Why does he allow things to happen in your life? I have no clue. To get your attention, perhaps. To get your focus on him, perhaps. I've had this conversation with someone real close to me the last several, well, about a year or two years now. Sometimes we think that God did it when it was all us. Most of the time it is me. Most of the time it is us. Or we'll give Satan credit, but it's not Satan, it's us. Satan cannot make you do anything. Satan can just tempt you to do it. Whether or not you do it is entirely up to you. We cannot, we need to stop giving him credit. Oh, the devil made me do it. No, the devil did not make you do it. He will tempt you, but he cannot make you. 
And being tempted is not the sin. Following into the temptation, that's where the sin comes in. We're all tempted. Christ was tempted. If temptation was the sin, Christ sinned. But we know he was without sin. So the temptation is not the sin. And he used what was given to us, the word. He used the word. He didn't, he didn't use, use the power. No. Yeah, that's the thing. People don't realize that he, Jesus never used his power. Like when he was tempted in the wilderness, he said, it is written. It is written. It is written. He used the word. He used the word. And that's because he's showing us what we're supposed to do. He used the true word, not the watered-down versions. <laughs> not what man thinks, but what God says. Careful what version of the Bible you use. Careful what commentary you read from. And careful who you listen to on TV. And I'll go ahead and say it. Careful who you listen to in the pulpit. There are a lot of men and women that right now, I read an article the other day of this minister, and he said, I have a confession to make. I don't believe in God. Then why is he a minister? I lost my faith. Well, then, oh boy, you need to step your tail down. Yeah, I mean, that would... But I'm just going to give the people the good things, the love and the joy and the, the stuff that ain't going to help you in, when, it, when it hits the fan. Because there's going to be a lot of lost people in that place, and then they're going to say, why didn't we go when the rapture came? And because he's, he's not preaching heaven. He's not he's preaching hell. accountable for that. Yeah. Do you know how much more accountability they hold for a teacher or pastor or a God looks at that and says, what did you teach them? What or what did you didn't you teach them? Yeah. And that's really the question he's going to ask us. What didn't you do? And then he's going to have his own answer. And it will be the right answer. This is what you didn't do, Robert. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. But yeah, he literally said, I do, I've lost my faith. I don't believe in God. And I believe the Bible is full of contradictions. Son, you need to sit down and put somebody, have somebody go into that pulpit that can bring God to the people. Well, at least he had enough sense to say, I'm getting down. No, he didn't. I thought you said No, that. I said he should. Oh, oh, okay. He should. He did not. He's going to stay in the pulpit and preach and teach good things. The happy things, the love and the care. And there's a place for that, yes. But there's also a place for heaven is sweet and hell is hot. Heaven's to be gained and hell is to be gotten rid of. Don't go that direction. That minister is going that direction. There's a lot of them. Going that direction. But this one confessed it, but he wouldn't confess it to his church. He wrote it in an article. And he was anonymous. Okay, you're a coward, is what you're telling me. He's got a spirit over him that's, you know, and he needs to. He put his hand to the plow and he looked back. And the Bible says if you do that, you're not fit. 
I'm not judging him. He can get repentance. But until he gets that repentance, he needs to get out of the pulpit. Because you're really, really close to blasphemy at that point. And this is something I heard Brother Swagger say, that he will go and be alone before he preaches a sermon, alone to hear from God. It don't sound like this man that you're speaking about is going and seeking God before... He, he don't believe in God anymore. That's, I mean, but he at one point in time he did. So something happened to him that caused him to... He got his eyes on man and not on God. He was reading from the wrong books. I preached a sermon yesterday about self-help. Thousands and thousands and thousands of books are written every day. Why do you need the self-help book? That's my point. Why do you need it? Even ministers write self-help books. When our help cometh from the Lord, (laughs) our help cometh from the Lord. But yet we, the Bible is the most sold book in the world. It is also the most stolen book in the world. Behind it is self-help. Right behind it is self-help. People are making fortunes. On writing a self-help book. Sound like this old boy got a hold of her own self-help book. <laughs> and God knows who it is. I don't have to know the name. And if he did tell me the name, I wouldn't have told you. Because that's not the way it is. But yeah, he literally, I don't believe in God anymore. 14, and make us men as the fishes of the sea, as the creeping things that have no ruler over them. The fish have no true ruler or leader. The fish, when the net comes, scatters all over the place, and each fish is on his own. You can see that in an aquarium. Stick your little net in there and try to catch one. They all scatter. With no leader and no true organization, the fish are directionless in times of conflicts and hard times. Unlike men who has leaders that are supposed to be able to help in times of troubles, fish has no structure. But let's look at the leadership we have as a man. They will be the first to run and scatter. They want to lead from behind. They do not want to lead from the front. And they'll tell you it's because they don't, they're afraid they'll get... You won't have a leader. They're more important than us. <laughs> Not in God's eyes. Now, they are held to a different and higher accountability, but they're no more important nor less important than I am. But the majority think they're not accountable. And they need to think about what is the reason that they're there. God got them there to try to make God a puts God puts people in rule that he wants in rule. So this is going to rock your world, but Joe Biden was appointed to the presidency of the United States by God himself. 
just like Putin and the rest. Just know, like Trump was. You know, just he, like Linda like, Baines Johnson was. Just like Richard Nixon was. We was mentioning him earlier. Just like Putin. Just like Benjamin Netanyahu. Just like Zelensky. Uh, Macron. All of those. Mm -hmm. They were put in position for a reason. Now, some do better than others. You can sit here and argue with me all day long. I'm not going to argue with you. You can sit here and argue with me all day long if you want to that Biden is not the president of the United States. By law, he's the president of the United States. I don't like the man. No, I pray for him. But I don't discount the fact that he is the president. I remind myself every night that the ones that are there were meant to be there. Yeah. And we are required, as a Christian, to pray for those who are in charge of us, who have authority over us. We are required by God to do that. Now, that may not be easy to do sometimes, but that's a requirement from the Scriptures to each and every Christian. You don't have an option. It wasn't a suggestion. He didn't say, would you mind praying for those that are in charge? He didn't say, well, could you pray for those in charge? What he said was, pray for those who have authority over you. It's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's not, uh, uh, well, you might want to do this. No, we are commanded to do it. Well, we can argue all day long that the, the election was fixed, was rigged, was and, and was cheating. But has there any proof of that being brought forward? No. So President Biden is the president of the United States, and as Christians, we are required to pray for him. It's not an option. You don't have a choice. I got into a discussion with an individual back when President Obama was the president. I ain't going to pray for you. Are you a Christian? I don't have to pray for people that are not saved. Wait a minute. The whole point. That's the, point. <laughs> That's the dumbest statement I've ever heard anybody make. That's what we're supposed to do. Well, he's not godly. Neither were you. That's right. But God showed you grace and mercy. And as we showed, but he showed us grace and mercy, we are to show others. And as we get further into this, down the road, it's going to be more and more evident as to who's praying and who's not. I saw a sign on a uh, church the other yesterday that said, if your prayer was your job, would you still be employed? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I almost had to stop the car when I read it. <laughs> like, dear heavens, that would smack me right in the mouth. Sound like something you would say. <laughs> <laughs> So we've got to pray for people. And usually I say, Lord, have mercy on their soul. <laughs> we have got to have time alone with God. Pray for yourself. And I say the same thing. And pray me. for others. And it's going to be more and more evident as we get closer and closer to end times. We're not there yet. The end times has not started yet, guys. We are definitely in the days of sorrow. And some will say, well, that's the end times. That's the burden pains. Some verses, some translations actually use, these are the beginning of the birthing pains. 
King James says these are the days of sorrow. And we all know, Brother Kenneth and I, not, you know, personally, but those that have had children, the woman goes into a contraction. The husband knows she's going into contraction because of her pain level, of what she's telling, and how she's acting. So we are secondhand recipients of it. Women that have had babies, they know that when that contraction starts, hey, I got to start paying attention. Now, you can have false contractions, and we've had plenty of those in the world. Okay? We had uh, the Heaven's Gate people. Oh, the end times are coming. There's a UFO in the tail of the hell uh, bop comet, and we've got to kill ourselves and go there. That was a false contraction for them. Okay? False labor. But they killed themselves. They went. Jim Jones. Oh, you got to listen to me, not listen to the Bible. I'm telling you, this is go- it's all coming to an end. It's all coming to an end. They're going to stop us. We've got to kill ourselves. Drink the Kool-Aid. And they did. He shot himself or had someone to shoot him. He didn't drink the Kool-Aid. So that was a false contraction, false labor. But when we are seeing real labor pains in the world, we're seeing the rumors and the wars. We're seeing the pestilence. If you don't believe that we just came through that, it was three years ago yesterday that the pandemic was actually listed as a pandemic by the World Health Organization. Yesterday was the third year anniversary. There are still a thousand people a day being killed by the coronavirus. I'm not here to scare you. If you don't believe that the coronavirus was a part of the pestilence and the pandemic or the the diseases that's going to attack us at the end, well, I don't know where you've been, but you've been on a rock for three years. But, and I will agree with the politicians on one point, the next pandemic will be even worse. Oh, yeah. And people, oh, my gosh, they're already planning it. No, they already know it. It's coming. We should know it from reading our scriptures. So, yeah, we're in the days of sorrow. We're in the birthing pains. The contractions are getting harder, and they're getting faster. And as they get faster and harder, the baby starts to be delivered. And once it gets to a certain point, that baby's coming whether we're ready or not. Once we get to a certain point in history, in future history, Christ is coming whether we expect it or not. So we are in those days. In Habakkuk, Israel was in those days. They could see the cloud of dust on the horizon as the fast horses and the chariots was coming towards them. Babylonian army was coming fast and hard against them. And Habakkuk is going, what is going on? We can ask the same question. What is going on? And I'm here to tell you what is going on is God is getting everything ready for his son's second appearing. But it's not quite ready yet. Now, we talk a lot about the rapture. We talk a lot about the end times. And that seems to be the whole focus of a lot of churches these days. 
But how about the fact that somebody just died in a car wreck, a gunshot wound, a stroke, a heart attack, old age, fall off a cliff. There's people dying all over the world right now. They won't make it to the rapture in this physical body. They'll make it in the spiritual, but they won't make it in the physical. Are we concerned about those individuals that we may never see again? A friend of my family's, she would always go to church. He would always drop her off. This was years ago. One Sunday, he didn't come back to pick her up. She called a ride with another church member. They got into the house. He was dead in his recliner. He had had a massive heart attack while she was at church. 17, no, excuse me, I keep saying he's 17. He wasn't. He's about 21, 22, maybe 23. Walked into his mother's kitchen, a good friend of mine, in 1983. 80, yeah, it was 83. So he had been more closer to uh, 20. Looked at his mother and dropped dead of a heart attack. No, I take that back. It wasn't 83. It was 85, 86. So he was 21, 22. Dropped dead of a heart attack. Things happen. Are we busy about what the Father has told us to do? And that's telling the world to preach and teach to all nations. Or are we just concerned about us? And some of us aren't even concerned about us. We're just do de do do Sippity-doo-dah. Verse 15, they take all of them with the angle and they catch them in their net and gather them in their drag. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. Those fishing catch the fish by dropping their net and hauling them in. The Babylonians catch those from Judah and Israel by entrapment and sieges. The net of those fishing is the same as the Babylonians entangling those inhabitants of Judah and Israel. And I will also say, not that I wrote this down, but it's also the same way Satan does us. He cast a giant net. And we run into it and entangle ourselves. And he sits and laughs. And he sits and laughs at our stupidity. Well, nobody that's ever taken drugs has expected to be addicted to drugs. Nobody. Well, why take the drugs? No one that's ever drank. And I'm not throwing rocks at people. I'm just saying... Those people that have been trapped and enslaved themselves with alcohol, they didn't start out with that first beer going, hey, I think I'm going to be a drunk. No, they didn't. That wasn't their thought process. But that's where a lot of them wind up. Gamblers, and I'll be the first to admit, I am a, I am a reformed gambler. I used to gamble on everything, and I'll give you five to one odds that I've quit gambling. <laughs> five to one odds that I have quit gambling. But same thing. I didn't expect that first time I laid that bet down to get snared up in gambling. Guys, I can't even, I don't even play a raffle because I'm afraid it will set me off. That reminds me of the episode of the Flintstones when Fred had the addiction. He was like, bet, 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 bet. He mm-hmm. just couldn't help it. He had to bet. He had to bet. It is addictive. <laughs> there, you can do work. You can become a workaholic because that's what you think you're supposed to do. And then that gets to be your nature. 
and that that nature becomes overwhelming, and it's a hard process to break out of. That's why I had to give up my other job because I was, if I would have kept continuing at food line like I was, I would have ended up a cripple. And I don't want to wish nothing upon myself, but I know because I had to drag my leg around with me everywhere, like I dragged it, you know, because it hurts so bad. I used to work five days a week at the power plant. On Saturdays, I'd go help a friend build houses. On Sunday, I was teaching or preaching. Monday morning, it'd start all over again. When we were in outage, and that's when your power plant shuts down and you do all kinds of maintenance, and you work long hours, I would work six days a week. I would take off Saturday so I could mow the churchyard some other yards I would go to sleep I would I would put my lawnmower in my truck on Friday night when I went to work Saturday morning I would start mowing before I ever got home from work I would lay down Saturday afternoon for a few hours and get a few hours sleep I would get up I go to church preach or teach I would go home and eat dinner lunch I would go back to the power plant I worked Sunday nights. I've done that for years. Looking back on it now, I don't know how I handled it. I don't know how I kept that schedule, okay? That's a workaholic. So, yeah, not only was I a gambler, but I was a workaholic. And no, my gambling wasn't so out of control that I had to work to pay the, the gambling bills. That wasn't the point. But I was raised to believe that you had to work. My dad works seven days a week. The only two days of the year I ever really knew my dad to take off was July the 4th and Christmas Day. Those were really the only two days that my dad ever really took off from work. We, he was either working in the forest or he was building fences or he was clear-cutting or he was doing this or he was doing that. It was very rare my dad ever stopped. That's what I grew up. Where's our focus? What are we got our eyes set on? I did not have to help. Now, I helped my friend to build houses, not so that I would make money, because I rarely ever accepted pay from him. I've done it to help him. But I missed a lot of my children growing up. I tell you, my kids, Christina, <laughs> Christina and Bobby, Lynn raised them. I didn't. I wasn't there. And then 1994, I woke up blind, literally. So I told you earlier, I know why God got, allowed me to have an illness. I can tell you exactly why God allowed me to have an illness, to stop me, to slow me down, so that he and I could have a relationship, because I didn't even have a relationship with him. Oh, but wait, you was teaching and preaching. Yes, I was. But that was all. Where's your focus at? And guys, you can get your focus on teaching and preaching to the point where you forget the relationship with Christ. Just like the fishermen throwing the net out, catching the fish, and you're going to, you know, Jason talked about it last week. You throw out the net, you catch the fish, you catch everything. You're not going after just a particular 
type of fish. You're just going after everything. Satan's cast that net. He's going after everything. You, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-worker, he's cast that net. He's trying to get everybody. Verse 16. Therefore they sacrifice unto their net, and burn incense unto their drag, because by them their portion is fat and their meat plenteous. Now you're going to laugh. If you don't understand what I just read, you're going to laugh when you understand what the scripture means. The Babylonians were so skillful and prosperous in their wars that they paid homage to their equipments of war. As if the mechanization of the war is the reason their coffers had gotten richer. It would have been like George Patton honoring his tank instead of honoring the people that drove his tank. It would be like Douglas MacArthur honoring the ship that brought him back to the Philippines instead of the people that were on that ship. Admiral Nimitz worshiping and, and praising his ship or his ships instead of the people that ran those ships. What are we putting our praise on? What are we heaping our praise on? Are we putting our praise and our heaps of praise on our car because, oh my gosh, it's always got me to where I'm going. <laughs> that car will break down and let you down. We putting it on our house? Well, it keeps the rain out and keeps the cold out. You'll get a roof leak. What are we putting our praise on? The Babylonians, they literally was doing sacrifice to their siege engines, their battering rams, their armor plating, their chariots. Because, oh my gosh, they're the most powerful things in the world. And they were. But it was the people that was in those things that made them work. The tank without a tank driver, it's not going to move. It's just going to sit there. And eventually it'll rust because it's metal. The horse that the Babylonians used would starve to death if somebody didn't go out and feed it. The metal... Armor plating had to be repaired. The siege engines had to be repaired. Siege engine had to be loaded. The battering rams had to be repaired and had to be pushed into place. So what are we putting our strength in? What are we putting our faith in? What are we looking to this morning? This is silly as if the ones fishing used to sacrifice to their nets and to their draglines. In verse 11, God had already made mention that the Babylonians believed their power was their God. Now here they are making gods out of their tools and methods of warfare. We laugh, but we are guilty of this as well. We make gods out of our businesses, our companies, our vehicles, and even our families, if you allow it. What are we putting our trust in our faith in. In the end days that we're about to experience, are we going to look to the United States government? Or are we going to put our eyes fixed solely on Christ? What are we going to put our faith and our trust in? 
Shall they therefore empty their net and not spare continually to slay the nations? Will Babylon empty their nets just to fill them again? And each time Babylon conquers a nation, it will quickly move to the next nation without mercy. Babylon seems to have a taste for destruction and carnage, and the nation was quick devouring other nations to quench its appetite. But it seems like Babylon's thirst for blood, conquest, and victory would never be satisfied. And it wasn't until they were overthrown, until they were destroyed, until they were taken captive. Because that's what happens. Countries, nations, empires build up, and then they go away. Jeff Bezos even told his people in Amazon, Amazon will go bankrupt eventually. It's a thing of nature. It's our jobs to not allow it to happen quite so quickly. We've got to delay it. Duke Energy. Great company, big company, huge company. Worked with them for 37 years. Duke Energy is not always going to be here, especially not in the new earth. Won't need electricity. Thank you, Lord. No nukes, no hydros, no fossils. Thank you, God. I'm ready to go. No hazardous waste. It's going to be awesome. But Duke Energy wasn't always Duke Energy. It started out started out as a, a different name, but then it changed to Duke Power. And we started buying things and buying people. And we became Duke Energy. Will somebody buy us eventually? Who knows? I don't. I'm not in that position to know. And if I was in that position, I couldn't tell you. But yeah, eventually, Duke could be bought. And they'll go by the wayside. Duke will go bankrupt or go by the wayside. Not at the rate of charging electricity. This is true. No comment. Do something about it. I have no I have no way of doing anything about that. I about had a stroke. But the, my point is, what we think is solid, what we think is is physically solid, never go away. It will go away. Take the people out of Manhattan. Nature will overthrow Manhattan in just a few years if you take the people out. Look at what happened in the Mayan culture and the Inca culture. They're still finding cities in the jungle. We're in the 21st century. They're still finding lost cities. And, you know, how do you lose an entire city that big? With those huge pyramids. Because nature covers it up. In days. We're definitely in the days of sorrow. Israel was in the end days, or they felt like they were. Because they saw Babylon coming. There's always a storm on the horizon. But we know the individual that can start to quell the storm. And stop the winds. Stop the waves. We just got to put our trust and faith in Him. Do you love the Lord? Yes. God is good to us. Any other prayer requests? Uh, Barbara Evans asked us to pray for her granddaughter. And graduating needs to make decisions for her life. And she has several family members that are sick. So let's remember those in our 
prayers this morning. Any others? Pray for me and my mom. It's going. <laughs> Definitely. Well, at least you had one. I don't know that I was there. I ever had a mind. <laughs> well, mine's always been boggled, but <laughs> but it gets Twitter painted off quickly now. <laughs> I understand. Pray for my brother. You won. We had a conversation yes. about it. He had a car accident since you and I spoke. Oh, no. Yeah. Did he get hurt? He got kind of banged up. Somebody T-boned him in the mm. driver's side. What did we say Saturday morning, yeah, though? Yeah. I saw a wreck so, so. like that. Uh, yeah, uh, was it? Yes, not yesterday, but Friday, uh, a car hit a car on the side like that. I was like, man, every time I see a wreck or I come across a wreck, I get anxiety because of where I was in my accident. Right. A couple of years ago. So. I'm not smart enough to have anxiety. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> well, I was coming to church. Three months ago, mm-hmm. and the little girl was coming to go into church, and she ran smack through the. And now I'm driving two years back from what I was driving. <laughs> right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity once again to come into your house to worship, to praise, and to honor your name. Lord, we ask that you'll move, that you'll touch on these young people that have decisions, Lord, to make. Lord, that they'll look to you, the author and finisher of their faith, Lord, and let let you guide them into what you wish them to do and how you wish them to do it. Lord, we ask that you'll touch those that are sick, Lord, those that cannot be in church for whatever reason. We ask that you'll touch and move, Lord. Lord, that you'll stretch forth your hand, O Lord, on this brother that's been involved in the car wreck, Lord. Lord, that this won't shake his faith, Lord, but this will increase his faith, Lord. That he'll look through your eyes and see that it could have been so much worse. Lord, we ask that you'll move and touch on the the musicians. Let it be especially pleasing unto your ears that you'll anoint, Lord, the messenger, as he endeavors to bring forth your message, that you'll anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' sweet name, amen. Amen.